Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. Today we are a little short-staffed. It's uh, about two-fourths of us. It's uh, James and myself, Wheels, or Bill as I like to be called. Um, Hold on, I can hear myself. (laughs) Hold on, guys. I can hear myself on the Twitch channel. We're actually live on Twitch, actually, too. But uh, anyways, so normally I would say that uh, Brandon, James... Myself and Ricky become uh, our real-life problems, but two-fourths of it is here today, and uh, we're a bunch of disabled guys that are passionate about gaming and accessibility, and together we are real-life problems. So anyways, uh, today's episode, I think we were going to sort of do the e- e, uh, E3 recap, if you will. Um, there's a lot of stuff that they uh, they announced, and there was some stuff that surprised me and some stuff that... Uh, frankly, was uh, was rather disappointing um, to um, an extent. Mm. So um, I don't know what your takes were on uh, what. Um, I mean, I figured we could start out with just going through kind of what each conference sort of was like, uh, and kind of get a get an overview that way, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, the the Microsoft conference. There was a lot of stuff there that I thought looked quite, looked okay, you know. Like Microsoft obviously announced their their next generation console, gave a lot more right. details on that, which is always, you know, always quite exciting when a new console's announced. <laughs> but Yeah, um, not, not a whole lot was, I mean, there was, they threw out some statistics there. There wasn't anything that I really could say um, necessarily... Mm. Uh, stood out. I mean, there were some things like no, nothing that I remember. You know, it was kind of like they threw a bunch of stuff at you, and it was just there was a lot going on there. I know it said that it was you know quite powerful. I mean, I, I don't have the specs in front of me, but um, it looked promising. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm in a similar def- position where it's when they chuck a whole bunch of statistics at me about how powerful a, con- a new console is. Um, I just kind of just glaze over because I'm not technically minded when it comes to um, PC or console specs, really. So right. it'll be a lot closer to launch when I see maybe how some of the new games for the machine are actually looking, or you know what it can actually deliver in in terms of like games or services. But right now, right. I'm a little bit sort of um sort of holding <laughs> holding off on getting too hyped for it. I wait and see. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with things. I mean, I feel like uh, there was a lot of things that, I mean, besides the new console, there was there was other things that were that were going on. Uh, yeah, I really thought were awesome. Um, you know, such as some of the game announcements. Mm. Um, Gears Five uh, was not a surprise. Some people thought it was, but come on. It makes yeah. them money. <laughs> you think they're not going to make another game? Same thing with Halo. It makes they, them money. Was was Gears something? Was Gears Five something that they mentioned at last year's E three as well? I'm sure they did. So, like having a new, having more information on that this year is. Um... I I want to say that, but I'm not. I'm not for sure. It seems like um, when Xbox um. 
their 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 package for um, the media was really good um, at E3. I feel like it uh, it really it really showed progress in a in a good way for them because uh, you saw that they did the Game Pass Ultimate, which is uh, something I actually pursued because I figured, well, I play I pay for Xbox yearly, anyways, and I pay for Game Pass. And I do play a lot of PC, so I figured might as well get the benefit of the added benefit of having the Game Pass not only for my console, but have it also available for some of the PC titles. And then on top of it being paying for my my gold membership that I pay yearly for, but instead doing it in a package that's you know fifteen dollars a month, which actually is not you know factors out to be pretty pretty good deal. Mm. Um, considering, I'm not saying that that means you should jump on it right now, um, but the circumstances that I was in were kind of perfect for for something like that. Um, kind of seems like that's that's kind of where things are going because I mean you heard about their cloud service. Of course, I felt like I felt like they're not really doing a very good job of explaining in layman's terms, like, what these things mean. It just seems like they're throwing out fancy stuff, like, oh, there's cloud gaming. It's like, well, what does that mean? There's some people that don't, that can't really, don't really understand what exactly that means, because there's a couple different ways that it can be introduced, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, when you say to me, cloud gaming, I'm sort of like, hmm, well, what exactly is this? Is that like the is that like the Google Stadia thing that we've seen recently, or is it more of a like you know half and half type thing where you've got some of the game at home, but components of it are run in the cloud, or you know it's it's just the term itself I think is taking on a lot of different meanings to a lot of different companies, so you know yeah, maybe we'll see at some point um, again like near the time. Hopefully they'll kind of maybe rebrand that a little or give it some kind of maybe the, the, like, the... give it a little bit better explanation. I think they did all right, but, um, but basically the way that it's it's happening with a lot of them is the way Stadia is doing things, which basically is the idea of is that on your end you're no longer taking the of the install, the download, all mm. that stuff, and basically the server is then maintaining. You know, basically, you have your server session with that game. Yeah, you know, yeah. ready, ready to go. Like you can just access that game, which is, um, you know, then there was Bethesda that kind of did it at the engine level, which I don't completely understand. They did kind of a terrible job of explaining that. They threw a lot of techie at it, and they didn't really, they didn't really explain. Um, but Xbox, so we saw the Project Scarlet. We saw the fact that they were introducing a cloud-based service, the new Game Pass, uh, rebranded type, well not rebranded, but uh, kind of put in a different package. Yeah, yeah, they sort of reworked it a little to make it maybe better value. Yeah, and I think it is. Um, I don't think it's something that people should, I don't know, it depends. Like if you're a real Xbox person, I don't think it's a problem to have it because there's little perks to it such as I mean the Gears game you'll get to play day one. Yeah. Um, that's that's a lot of the lot of their a lot of their releases that if it's avail going to be available 
they're going to make it available that same day on Game Pass, which is which is kind of nice that they they've worked out some of these deals where you're going to get some some there's some pretty interesting games that are um, there's one in particular that I wanted to play. It was like Outward, or not, maybe not Outward, but it was like uh, some oh, sort of like yeah, no, I think I know what you're talking it's about. Like the first thing that they showed. Uh, what's that called? The name is totally escaping me, but it's it's done by is it Remedy that did Alan Wake and Quantum Break? Is that the is that the team that are working on it? I think it might be. Yeah. But talking about Game Pass, um, just while you sort of figure out what the game that was, um, yeah, it seems like Game Pass could be a really good um a good deal for a lot of people. I was looking to it was my dad's birthday a few months ago and he's just got his Xbox up and running, you know, and he only has one game for it, Diablo 3, so I was looking to, like, do I get him a single game for his birthday, or do I maybe just get him a Game Pass subscription oh. for three months, and that seemed like the much better idea, because then he can try everything, see what he likes. The Outer World, Outer Worlds is what I was thinking of. Oh, I'm, I'm thinking of a different game then. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Outer Worlds was like a game that, uh, it's like exploration um, you go to you go to like different planets and um, a player driven story RPG and keep obsidian obsidian is the one that's doing this so uh, you know right. it's going to be good because obsidian is best uh, noted for one of the most beloved fallout games of all time which is uh New Vegas mm, yeah I love New Vegas they did a great job on that game um, Although going back and playing it, I mean it it's a little hard to get into, I'm not going live, but I mean I know that it's a good game. Um this I'm very curious about to see what this is going to be like because this felt like kinda like a fallout meets like a sort of um a um what you call it, um a, a, what's that game? Hello Games did it. No Man's Sky. Oh, no Man's Sky, yeah. Yeah, which, you know, the community kind of made that a little bit better, actually, with time. Uh, it's got quite uh, quite the cult sort of following at this point. Yeah, but, I've, heard, um, I've heard good things about it. <laughs> and then one thing I thought that was kind of cool, I mean, it's not like... Uh, it, well, I need to play this expansion, actually. I'm very excited about this. Uh, Forza Horizon 4 got a Lego expansion. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I quite like the Lego themed games, so like, yeah, maybe I'll... I don't have an Xbox, so I can't play Forza Horizon 4. <laughs> but if I did, I'd be, I'd be eyeing that up, for sure. Because Forza Horizon 4 is, you know, by many accounts, pretty good. Um, yeah. And just sticking... Some cutesy cars in it, Lego cars. Because I think the was it Forza, the the previous Forza Horizon game had a Hot Wheels expansion. Is that right? Oh yeah, I love yeah. that. That's that was one of my favorite expansions that they did. They did right. with that. I mean, that's really cool. Just like, you know, why limit yourself to to real cars? Why not go, you know, into the go for toy cars? You know, sure. Yeah, idea. I mean, I know that that was a minor. That was a minor thing in a bigger, bigger show. I think also, I mean, they did a great job of. It's kind of cool to see that 
there's a world that's being created by George R. R. Martin and as well as the creator from From Games. Oh, yeah. I'm really that looking forward ex- to that. But what I think might happen is because this is going to be on Xbox, there are going to be accessible controls. Although I I have a feeling that we're going to be rehashing this whole thing with difficulties um, in the game. I think it's going to be a thing that's going to continue to be a discussion. Yeah, that's um, that's definitely my worry with that. I'm hoping I'm hoping that they they saw the the this the discussions that were had around about Sekiro and influences yeah. their approach to to Elden Ring, but I'm not I'm not I don't feel overly optimistic about that. It's, I would be surprised if they had some kind of difficulty slider for the game or any sort of meaningful yeah. accessibility options above what they've had before. So right, yeah, I'm not I'm not holding my breath for that. But I'm still looking forward to see what they produce because normally, in terms of um, in terms of like the art and the storytelling and the you know all that type of thing, they they generally do produce really high quality games. Just not games that a lot of people with disabilities can play, sadly. Yeah, and there is kind of a the thing is, is that it's not like I'm against it things being accessible. Obviously, I'm not, but. Um, <laughs> Clearly, but um, there is a bit of a culture that has been kind of created with those games that I feel like people kind of cease to sort of, you know, sort of see it from that perspective as well. I'm not saying that it means that it's a culture of, oh, we don't accept this. It's just more that I feel like the game will just become like, uh, might lose its little, uh, its bit of luster, if you will, um, in a way. Um to some people. I, I don't think it would for me. Mm. But I feel like having more options, I feel like the whole thing with the whole gimmick with that game was the fact that there was no difficulty. Like <laughs> it was whatever it was. You know, and that's kind of the problem. I feel like they've kind of niched themselves in such a way that doesn't cater very well to the accessible community. In such a way that it's become something that they created a culture of gaming around yeah and yeah I mean, kind of like got them stuck in a you know mm-hmm, sort mm-hmm. of a, a difficult place i guess yeah i mean goodness we could we could do a whole episode on like how fromsoft could could make the game more accessible or their, and how their community could accept you know would react to it and things like that but it's i agree with you you know i think it's there maybe are things that they could do, but they have sort of worked themselves into a corner by trying to be the the the, the yeah. hardcore game for the hardcore gamer. That I mean, that's that's really reductive because there's there's far more to it than that. But yeah, yeah. The, 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 their community likes their, that game for a reason, and those reasons can sometimes run contrary to making the yeah. game accessible, and that's a shame. Well, also you know, Borderlands Three. I mean. The- that's going to be a fun time. Uh, it looks like it's going to be quite a blast. Uh, Cyberpunk, uh, well, I mean, they're, they're on the hype train. They yeah. really hype themselves up bad. Um, this might come to bite them in the ass. I don't know yet. The one good thing that I've been telling people about is the fact that Project CD, 
CD Red has a good track record. They are coming off of they're coming off of a high, okay? Because The Witcher Three is a masterpiece um, mm. of a game. It is just a solid game. It's everything that you want in an RPG. Um, I don't know if you have played it, but it is definitely, definitely, you know, it's it's like one of those games that comes out <laughs> that's like, you know, the studio didn't have, you know, people were not pissed off about it, you know, did not get a bad reception. I mean, I've not played it myself, but my, my partner played through it, and I've sat and watched her play a lot of that, and um, we did not think it was a masterpiece, if I can put it bluntly, put it like that. We have yeah. uh, we have different opinions on the game. <laughs> well, okay. Well, but, here's the thing. But I, I, I'm just I think I'm, I'm definitely the minority. It was perceived uh, like it, even if regardless of what I'm saying, I mean that's more that's more of a bias on my part just because it had everything that I would want. No, no, I mean, I'm, sure, but um, I'm just saying, like, I know that it was very critically well received and stuff, and I know that my, like, yeah, my partner so, on that game are, like, really, were sort of on the outskirts of, in terms of opinions. Well, yeah, but regardless, I, oh, I'm, the point, the main point here is, it, it doesn't really matter how I feel about The Witcher or not, I'm making the point more so of focusing on the fact that they're coming off of a well-received um, game. And as yeah. a result, I feel like that's always kind of a good precursor to something that might, you know, you always worry about this overhype. And I feel like that's kind of, this has kind of been the discussion of many E3 sort of um, conversations that I've found, is that that overhype thing. It seems like there's always one game that always falls into that category. Yeah. Um, 76 uh, put themselves in that situation, and as you can see, the results of that were quite. Uh, uh, the The fans spoke. <laughs> let's, let's put it that way. They definitely spoke um, that the product was inferior. Um, yeah, and, uh, Bethesda definitely paid the price for that. Uh, mm, yeah, pretty the, heavily. The the, so, the Fallout seventy six saga is certainly a thing. <laughs> I mean. I will say that Eagle Hardcore Fallout fan definitely made the game better, but people in the community is what made that game better. Um, it has a community that is very, very cool. There's a lot of nice people. There's a lot of awesome people that play 76, but it does lack in the content um, area. But I was very excited to see that they are going to be adding some stuff um, that's always, um, that's always, it's always good that they kind of, kind of listen now, now we'll see how they implement, how they implement it, but, uh, in the free, we're coming off of the free week now, because they did a free week of that. Oh, um, right, right. I did play the nuclear winner, I already had the game. Um, the BR seemed kind of like an interesting but it was definitely a move to save the game. Try to get a different type of player clientele in there. Um, mm. But what I did like is I did like that they did not make that the highlight of their conference. You know, the the it, them bringing a BR was kind of a secondary. It was brought up second after 
what they said year two was going to look like for 76. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's easy to like slap a, a battle royale mode into your game and then go like, hey, everyone, we've got a battle royale mode and and have that be like your thing. Your well, yeah. I mean, look, I mean, look at how Fortnite um, completely completely sold out their, their model. I mean, they totally... Uh, <laughs> I, I think they're an example of a sellout. Uh, uh, just because they totally banked on, they realized that that the game banked more on a battle royale, where they put all the money. Some people like the PBE in it, but I feel like the PBE had much more potential. Certainly, uh, with, with regards to Fortnite, the PBE <laughs> element of that was the the part of it that I was maybe most interested in. Yeah, but, that's what got me intrigued about. But you know, it's, it's I don't know how many people actually play that these days. Probably it probably does have a, a core community because all these things always, you know, something like even a, a side mode like it would be in Fortnite now is it will <laughs> yeah. have its <laughs> it will have its followers, it will have its fans, it's people, the people that play just that. But yeah, it's it's a bit um, it's a bit of a, a bit of a shame when something like that happens. Yeah, well. Well, so I thought I thought um, twenty seventy seven uh, Cyberpunk that looks uh, still looks really good, but Keanu Reeves coming out I think kind of it kind of built that hype train up a little bit. But like I said, I think they're going to do fine. Um, we'll we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. They, you know, because for the most part it seems like you know the developers have been been stating the fact that they were you know trying to build a game. And take the time to complete it and make a good game. Mm. And take the time to make a good game. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, one of the things I would note, uh, one of the things I'm most excited about was when I found out that Fantasy Star 2 is coming to the U.S. in spring of uh, 2020. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's. When did that game come out originally in Japan on. Uh, July fourth of twenty twelve. Yeah, so it's it's, it's taken its one. time to get here. <laughs> it has, it's... but Sega's not dead, guys. Sega is not dead. Oh no, no, not by any means. No, not at all. No, no but it's just. <laughs> it's I'm glad. To, I'm glad to see it coming out over here because it's free to play. So anyone with an Xbox. And hopefully a PC yeah. as well. I don't know if it said on the announcement whether it's getting a localized version for PC too, but I would assume that it would. Yeah, I actually set up a Japanese account um, recently, and uh, there's like a way you can play the game. I just started playing the game. Um, and you know, I know it's coming out, mm -hmm. um, but I figured I, I couldn't wait because I, I got really excited when I saw it. And oh no, just like the style of how it's played. It's an MMO that. Plays like an RPG. So is that like? What's the what's the nearest sort of point of comparison then for? I would I would say from what I've been seeing, it feels like like a Final Fantasy fourteen almost. But I don't I I haven't really played that. But from when I've seen people playing that, yeah, it kind of has that sort of Final Fantasy fourteen esque thing. Um, oh, cool, cool. 
but one thing that I wanted to I wanted to kind of talk about, you know, because there's there was titles that came out that I, you know, I'm thinking about what else there might have been that they showed that was really really stood out to me as a killer thing. I mean, I felt like uh, I don't know, I felt like PSO two and Elder Ring and I think those two were I'm very eager about, very excited about those. Mm. Um, trying to think of what else was like kind of like a sort of standout for me. Um, I mean, some Nintendo stuff like the Pokemon stuff. I know some people don't like the Pokemon games. I like them personally. They have that sword and shield. I think. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that, especially since I think it's the first time that they've set a, a Pokemon game in a in a, a British type region. So all the all the landscape and architecture is going to be based on um, sort of uh, the landscape and architecture architecture of the United Kingdom. So I'm I'm quite keen to see how that's how that actually plays out in the game. That yeah, should be, well, should be fun, fun to see. Well, one of the things I thought that was interesting is how we're kind of making an effort to show how the Pokemon actually play a part in the economy of the society. Yeah. I mean, like how they're actually a bigger part of it than just, like, you know, find them in the wild. Because, I mean, you know, they're kind of making a... Making, I know it's a small thing, but I think it's kind of a thing. No, it's sort of, it's, it seems to be the way they're going more with Pokemon these days because looking at the Detective Pikachu game, part of that is that there's no Pokeballs in the Detective Pikachu film. There's no, you know, from what I've heard, at least I've not seen it, but this is what I've been told. And yeah. there's no, like, um, Pokemon battling in the film except in, like, a, the underground arena scene from the film where it's like, oh, it's very frowned upon. So it seems like they're maybe trying to move, trying to have their like Pokemon style game where you go around catching them all with Pokemon, but also trying to blend in some of this like, you know, the 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 idea that the Pokemon aren't just for like keeping in captivity and little balls, you know, forever yeah. and storing in your PC, and just yeah, you know, try to make yeah, them I mean, more I, integrated into yeah. the into the world. Which well, is, another thing that. Uh, well, so we kind of talked about some of the good, but now now some of the bad. Um, I would say that one thing that they lacked was, uh, well, okay. First, I thought that that Ubisoft became um, became like a how many uh, how many different Tom Clancy games can we uh, can we make? You know, they're really like. They are really uh, just like pounding that. I mean, oh, oh yeah. shit! Yeah, shit! We're to the point where there's probably more Tom Clancy games than books. <laughs> <laughs> but we're certainly against that. If you, I'm sure that you could. It would take a certain like a, a whole bunch. What am I trying to say here? There's a lot of them. You know, from Rainbow Six, from way back when, all the way through to current day. There's probably like dozens, there's dozens and dozens of uh, Tom Clancy. Tom Clancy this, Tom Clancy's that, you know. Actually, yeah. I, the idea of a new... Go- I really enjoyed the last Ghost Recon, the Ghost Recon Wildlands. Yeah, I so, know. I, I think, didn't that die, though? Didn't people, like, not really play it? 
Oh no, no. Well, I don't know if there's not that many people playing it, but they've been supporting it with DLC pretty consistently since its release. So, and to be fair, I mean, my experience with it was I played through it entirely in co-op with my partner. So, like, I never really had to engage with the, the wider community at all. And I didn't, right. really, didn't really play any of the DLCs that they released subsequently. I just played through the, the campaign. Mm -hmm. Like we, we both um, like platinum trophied that one. So yeah, I'm not saying that. Yeah. I'm not saying the games are bad. No, no, I know, I know. But it's um, I I totally I know what you're talking about though. It's like Ubisoft has that Tom Clancy license, and they're going to run it right into the ground. You know, get yeah. as much, wring as much out of it as possible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, usually the way we work at Project uh, today, it's a little bit of a different show. Because we, we we're lacking two of the other other folks. Uh, usually, what we do is because it gets uh, talking gets a little chaotic. It would be hard to take a break to do audience participation type things. But usually, it's kind of like like what I was hoping to do. Podcasts is be like uh, do it where it's basically like we go through the show and then we'll talk about you know we'll kind of leave the floor open at the end of when we get done. Mm. Um, talking to kind of uh, you know see what the audience's perspective is, see what the takeaways were, and then you know see if there's some talking you can get in based on questions that you may have. So that's kind of where we're at on that. Um, so uh, um, another on another note, things that I guess I'm not trying to say that Ubisoft makes bad games. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that I feel like. Um, they need a little bit, they, it would be nice to see them kind of, uh, take on a new sort of IP, if you will. Um, oh, well, there was something at the, there was something at their show that I did quite like the look of, although it wasn't necessarily gameplay at this stage. It was, the um, quarantine thing? Uh, no, uh, Roller Champions, that was an Ubisoft thing, wasn't it? The, the rollerblading sort of arena sports game. It looked like... Yeah, I saw that, but he came like that's. I remember uh, one of the guys in the audience here, Project, was uh, referring like he said that he kind of lost interest in uh, the Ubisoft thing when it became a what he referred to as an ex exhibition, <laughs> which I I can understand the I can understand that a little bit I suppose. Uh, wasn't that uh, I don't I didn't find it intriguing. It's just uh, not uh, not really my style of game, but I could see where people might be into that. Um, I don't know, just the notion of um, sort of Rocket League on roller skates type thing. I think that's uh, I don't know. I, I like. I just it's it's not like anything that I've seen recently. You know, the, yeah, I mean, I think so. Yeah, I think <laughs> so it's kind of a cool concept. Um, one of the other things is is that um, one of the other things that I thought was interesting was um, or not interesting. Uh, one of the things that I found very irritating. About Cinematic trailers, like, it's become the norm. And for things that, I mean, like, I, I can get if you're trying to get people hyped. But don't, uh, especially, don't, don't get us hyped for something that's going to be, you know, quarter four of next year. Mm. You know, the last quarter of the year. I mean, I don't understand why... You know, you're showing us cinematics for that. I mean, I, I, I just, I don't know. I feel 
it lacked a lot of gameplay, and that was kind of where I was at on it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. I'm not quite sure why this year maybe had so much of that. Honestly, um, all I can assume is that they're maybe sort of holding stuff back, holding gameplay stuff back because maybe it's it's, it's games that will be running on next gen hardware. Maybe right. we'll see. Like maybe a lot of these games that are going to come out next year are maybe um, cross-platform games. So they'll have like maybe a PlayStation Four and a PlayStation Five or yeah. a, an Xbox One and an Xbox Scarlet version as well. And yeah. To show them would maybe set the set the bar a little low, and or you know if, because they'd have to show the previous gen version or the current gen version rather. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. Maybe they're sort of tied up a little bit, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like they should be showing uh, stuff that's closer hmm. coming out. I know they want to hype stuff, but I feel like we've seen where the hype kind of ends up, uh, kind of ends up uh, leaving a lot to be desired, if you will. Because it seems like they end up hyping up something so much. And then, <laughs> then it's like it can't really, it doesn't really have any space to breathe. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that's kind of the problem because I remember I was watching the buddy of Glitch Vision, and um, he was kind of saying that, you know, show me stuff that's coming out in the next couple months. You know, and I think I think that's a smarter move because I feel like. It would. I mean, it's going to get off of the shelf sooner, rather than mm. have this thing that just sits there for a while. Yeah, yeah. I think in Microsoft's case, I think I feel like Microsoft are they've been making a lot of smart acquisitions. You know, they bought Ninja Theory, yeah. and they've announced just at E3 there that they'd bought Double Fine. But I feel like with them, you know, although they're buying a lot of good, talented studios games still take a little while to make so that maybe like a lot of CG trailers is the best they can do at the moment but they're certainly on the right track it just yeah they just need to I feel like I almost feel like you know even with even with you if you look at the entertainment industry as a whole um, even with trailers of anything these days I mean they really are showing way too much I think um, because I feel like yeah, even the movies do this. Even the movies overhype themselves, and I've seen mm. that happen. Where it's like, because it seems like if you look at older trailers, it has it has tidbits of stuff, but it doesn't really have enough to kind of build the um, possibly what the um, uh, yeah, you know, what the main main um, you know, what, what, why can't I think of it? It, it doesn't go too much into the narrative in the actual trailer. It kind of leaves you questioning a little bit, and I feel like that's mm. a better way to be. I'd rather, I'd rather question some things, tease us a little bit. A teaser trailer, I'm more of a fan of, and I know that might sound crazy to some people, but I feel like if you don't know what's going to be seen, <laughs> and it kind of shows just a little bit, and it's kind of like, ooh, I wonder what's in that game. I feel like that's a lot better way to control the hype. I think that's an easier hype um, 
When I saw Double Fine, I just felt bad. <laughs> Microsoft is known for shutting down studios for not bringing serious money. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Psychonauts 2 is going to do gangbusters. I agree. I think it's kind of like a, a last sort of, kind of a second thought, if you will. Um, last, yeah. last thought. Or like a little bit, maybe not last thought, but um, too late. Hmm. In a way, I don't know, but, but but I know there's a lot of people that are hardcore fans, and I know that game has a cult following. I'm pretty sure. I, I think Microsoft would be doing themselves a disservice if they closed down Double Fine, you know, because one of the ways that PlayStation dug themselves out of the hole when they launched the PlayStation Three at its astronomical price point and with such few games, yeah, was by having a a, a lot of internal studios that could produce things like Journey or you know they were producing like they were getting a, a, a wide range of games that not all of them were big hits but they had such a variety of first party yeah. and exclusive uh, games that it, even though their console was uh, to be fair like pretty rotten when it launched they, <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm probably more of a PlayStation person than a Xbox person. But I mean, <laughs> that original PlayStation Three was a disaster of a machine. Oh yeah, um, I, mean, I mean, talk but, about the network, everything from yeah. To... But they dug themselves out of the hole by having, by through the games, and over the course of that generation, Microsoft let their investment in their own first-party stuff completely slide. And they're only now beginning to really sort of pull themselves out of that slump. So, like, if if they were to close Double Fine sometime over the next few years for whatever reason, yeah, they would just be sort of falling back into that trap again. They need developers like Double Fine that can produce, you know, maybe not big sellers, but quirky, interesting games that give you a reason to invest in that console. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's what. Uh... I feel like MD, MDHR was a studio that really kind of did a good job teaming up with Xbox. You know, they, you know, Cuphead is is definitely a cult classic um, right off the bat. Mm. Um, so that's just something that I'm thinking about when it comes to like some of the more interesting things and the whole. I like that Xbox at ID. You know how they always have that tag at uh, E3. Yeah, um, and that the, the just their whole open to indie developers, and some of the stuff that you see that you can buy on the Xbox Store, like mm -hmm. game wise, is kind of interesting. There's some like really awful shit that just really shows in innovation in like reinventing um, side-scrolling games and other older formats, but re-envisioned. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. In a way yeah. that's, you know, I feel like that's cool. I feel like that's cool that they're doing that. They're they're open to that. Um, yeah, beyond good and evil too. I don't even know if that's even happening still. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was what was it? They were trying to do a whole thing where the community can contribute assets to the game somehow, and they had like, was it Joseph Gordon Levitt, the actor, come out and talk mm -hmm. about that, and oh, it was a whole thing, but. Nothing, nothing at this E3. Yeah, and, um, so. PlayStation's presence was uh, 
minimal. They, they are not. Sony, what are you doing, guys? What the hell are you doing? Um, because my thing is, is that, is that I just have this fear that Sony is going is, uh, you know, might as well spell its name S C G A. Like in the past, not saying Sega's dead. It's not dead, but from the aspect of where you know, it just scares me. I'm I am very concerned for Sony because I just feel like not showing up in E three. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know if that's a good thing. Yeah, affiliate games. They have yeah. their own event now. Well, that could that could backfire though. It could yeah. backfire. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I'm kind of on the fence because I, mean, I hope like, they, yeah. they don't. I hope they don't get themselves into trouble. I hope they're not. I hope they're going to come and bring something to the, you know, to the table again because I feel like. They need to come together to work with other people better. No, totally. I mean, like for me, the the thing that sort of worries so me know. about them, like when you look at Microsoft, as bad as the Xbox One launch was, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, pretty bad. Yeah, like <laughs> after a few years, um, Phil Spencer took charge, and now it seems like they've got a plan. That they've got a roadmap internally for like what they're going to be doing, how they're going to make Xbox yeah, uh, the, just, the, the biggest brand yeah. in gaming. Um, now, whether or not they'll succeed is another matter, but it looks like they're taking the right, making the right steps. Um, with PlayStation, I don't know what's... Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, really maybe I'm on. wrong. No, I don't think you are. I don't think you are. I think there's, there's definitely something like PlayStation have been slipping a bit over the past couple of years. And I don't, uh, I don't know how to put my finger on it. Because I'm not saying that there, there haven't been games that have been terrible. Because I mean, anything Naughty Dog, anything out of Naughty Dog Studios, has been absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, like, not triple A titles. Like the whole series for Uncharted, great story. I mean, I don't know how you couldn't get into that story. Um, you feel vested in that character, um, and I feel like they need to work on more games like that. Even like. Detroit, uh, human, you know, uh, that game is absolutely amazing. Like, studios like Quantum Dream and Naughty Dog, I feel like they need to really cash in on them. Mm. I think they really need to cash in on, uh, on those studios and make sure they're really investing deeper into them. Uh, because I feel like those are the strongest things that they have, you know, like when you can have, because games, when they can tell amazing stories that you actually feel, you know, something towards, I feel like that's, that's a good thing. And I feel like there's a lot of, uh, I mean, it's not like Sony's had a terrible year. I mean, God of War, that new God of War, a lot of people love that game. Yeah, it's pretty good. It got, yeah. it got a lot of awards. I mean, it did very well. So, I mean, I don't think they're hurting necessarily. I know I kind of said Sega comment about them, but, you know, I just hope they don't go down that path because that would kind of suck because I feel like the competition among the big three, I think, keeps things interesting. Yeah, yeah. Meaning Nintendo, Xbox, and PlayStation, I feel like they should they, they should stay different. But I feel like they shouldn't be afraid to come together, and that's kind of like what my sort of 
takeaway is is that I feel like they should they should have their their separate um, sort of um, presence, you know, like meaning mm-hmm. like like Xbox has its certain style, Sony has always had its certain style, um, you know. Uh, well, yeah, I mean that, that totally makes sense because Nintendo, you know, has their style. But if you're Say, if you're a parent wanting to buy your kid a console, you might not want to get them a PlayStation or an Xbox. You'll get them a, a Switch or a 3DS or something. Nintendo serves that market. Sony and Microsoft have their own exclusive games, and you choose which one you want to go for, which ones have, you know, which system suits you most. And it could just come down to, like, oh, I prefer the way the PlayStation 4 looks, or I prefer the, the, the feel of the Xbox, uh, Xbox One controller, or whatever. But by by trying to be as distinctive as possible it gives people like us the consumers <laughs> it gives us more options when we're trying to decide which which system is best for us and that's yeah i don't know i feel like when the xbox first came out they did it like the the original xbox bomb i don't think it did that well from what i from the research that i did it did mm. not do as great as it could have um when 360 came along they did something right I'm not saying that they did anything wrong with the X, because I do agree that the Xbox... The Xbox is a hell of a machine. <laughs> I, yeah. I, love, I really like the original Xbox. I mean, it had... Um, there was something new about it. There was something fresh about it. It had this... Uh, it's like, ooh, you know, Microsoft Xbox. Hmm. Had some really nice first-party games. And yeah, well, games because of well. Halo, yes, definitely. Yeah. I mean, And some people might say Halo is overrated. I personally very much enjoy Halo. Um, I feel like it was one of the it was one of the reasons to. I mean, I remember that being the reason that a lot of people went out and bought that. <laughs> it was because of Halo. Um, yeah. People, you know, and I do think Halo has a good story. I mean, I do think it has an actually good story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, just like anything in Hollywood or anything in industry, if it makes money. They're going to make more of it. I yeah. mean, that's just how it goes. And that's just... That's just the natural order of things. I mean, same thing with Gears. Do we need a Gears 5? No, not really. Did we need to go past 3? Probably not. But, you know, we're not thinking about story here. And I think that's kind of where you kind of come to the divide of the art form mm. of storytelling and the wanting to make more money um, because obviously if you're a company you have to make money to sustain I mean you can't just yeah it's not. all about growth you know but but you have to factor that in yeah I think it's it's important as a, if you're a fan of a series to know when uh, when they accept that they're they're getting into the milking stage of it and maybe any any artistic uh, drive behind the series is long gone so. And that's kind of where I'm at with it, is that I feel like... But then I feel like there's other games that have sequels where you don't feel that way. Where it's like something like um, Grand Theft Auto. Mm. They've, done, they've done always done a good job, regardless of how people feel about the choices that you can make in that game. I mean, it's a game, but the, each one of them, to me, had something kind of different about what made it interesting you know like the last gta the reason why it was interesting was because you could switch between 
you know, different people's stories and kind of see what's going on in their life. I feel like it was a pretty good story, actually. Um, you know, Rockstar's not bad at telling stories either. Mm. Um, might not be to the level of Quantum Dream or like those other types where it's like a choose your adventure type. Um, but I feel like, um, I don't know, I feel like there's there's always that question of like, of when does it become you know, less about the storytelling and more about just the let's make money. Yeah, the, the need to just make another game to for the sake of making another game. Because I feel like you can make money by bringing out new and intriguing IPs, taking on new things that haven't been done. And I feel like that's hard to come by. Even, even in Hollywood, we're seeing this you now with film. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They're remaking <laughs> cartoon classics, which, by the way, I heard Aladdin actually is really good. Um, <laughs> ironically. Are you really hyped for Call of Duty, or is that a sense of sarcasm? Because, I mean, they have quite a lot of Call of Duties. Mm. Yeah, new IPs scare people. They scare, they scare studios, especially yeah. established ones. They scare them. <laughs> That's why they have a special space, you know. That's why I, Xbox has its ID area. <laughs> I do wish that developers would invest more time, and not developers, publishers rather would invest more. T- well, allow more time for like franchises to kind of mature, <laughs> you know. I mean, what was it? Um, EA back in the last generation, they made a big song and dance about how they were investing in games like Mirror's Edge and Dead Space and things like that. And, <laughs> and a, yeah. lot, like, a lot of these games, they well, Mirror's Edge never got a sequel for a long, long time, and Dead Space eventually got a set, got a, a couple of sequels, but they got they got up to three games, right? Yeah, yeah, and Dead Space three, not that great. But Dead Space 1 and 2, you know, um, really, really good. Um, but it takes... Dead Space is a good example, because the first game didn't sell especially well. You know, certainly not to the numbers that uh, a big publisher like EA would maybe expect from one of their other titles. But right. the, 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 there was a sense there that you need to you need to grow a franchise if you're going to, if you're going to, you know... It will mature. Word of mouth will make, you know, will make the sequel more profitable than the, the previous game for sure. And that's basically what happened with it. Now, Dead Space Three, that would have been around about the time where EA were really trying to microtransaction everything to hell. So Dead Space Three was one one of their sort of early disasters when it came to trying to sort of add extra monetization options to. An already existing game, and the public just went, "Nope, not having it." But <laughs> you know, if you you look at other, where my room are going with this? Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> just going on a wee bit of a mad ramble. But <laughs> it's it's, I, you know, it's it's publishers need to be more willing to invest in new IPs and not to be put off when it doesn't make mega bucks straight out the door. Yeah, I mean I think make it more of an investment. I mean I I love how you hear things about like you see kind of the path that Destiny went on. I mean <laughs> first you you're like, oh, we're going it's going to be that game where 
putting into it. Mm. The only types of games that seem to be able to do extended content seem to be stuff in the MMO realm, which is a completely different clientele. Um, and it's not... A lot of times MMOs don't end up being in the big bucks game. I mean, you don't really see MMOs getting into the big bucks game until stuff like WoW. Okay, WoW changed the world forever mm. when it came to what people were doing with MMOs. I mean, I feel like they definitely... That definitely ended up being a cash cow. Oh, yeah. It resulted yeah. in them to keep going. But at the same time, I feel like... I feel like these things are marketed as MMO. Then they they come out with some DLC, but it seems like Destiny just doesn't continue. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm hopeful for... De in Destiny's case, I've heard that there's maybe changes afoot with Destiny now that they're... Um, out Free. from the Activision umbrella, but I don't play. I've not really played Destiny two since the since it launched. So I mean, can't, really, can't really speak to to how it's changing and things. It's it's a fun it's a fun time, but I feel like it's just. And I feel like that's kind of where I'm at on the new I sort of thing. Why mm. take a risk when you can just do a plus one time <laughs> or remake something? I know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that seems to be the kind of the commonality here i mean uh yeah or just go the go the ubisoft route and have like tom clancy's ghost recon trip to the shops or whatever you know the next one is going to be yeah because i'm not saying that uh, i'm not saying that, that those there haven't been so quality games like i i very much enjoy playing the it's a fun one to play mm. um which i'm trying to i'm trying to start doing a right thing on trying to to do that as a regular stream on Wednesdays, but that's a whole other thing. But uh, that's uh, you know I wanted to play through that a little. Bit. It plays pretty nice. I don't mind it. It's it's a fun one. Um, but I feel like they definitely need to reconsider. Hmm. <laughs> I'm excited for Tom Clancy's shopping coming next year. <laughs> <laughs> just just everything. Any any mundane task and it'll be Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell or whatever, you know. Yeah. Yeah. There was one game that I was quite keen to see. It wasn't necessarily a, announced at E three, but they showed off some more gameplay footage from it. It was yeah. um uh, Vampire the Masquerade two. Yes, that to me or Bloodlines two, I think it is, yeah. Laundry yeah. DLC for fifteen dollars. Um, <laughs> yeah, that that'll be the DLC. What um, did the what did the what did the Ghost Recon soldiers do between missions? That'll be the <laughs> find out now. But yeah, yeah. You can make the choice between double ply or regular. Um, <laughs> <laughs> will Will your soldier recover from the hem? Um, <laughs> There's like a whole mini mini game for the treatment. Um, <laughs> um, oh man! But um, yeah, Vampire, The Masquerade Bloodlines, big yeah, that title. One. But I, I loved it. I liked the really like the original one on the PC, as broken as it was. So I was quite keen to see the see I the wonder, new one. I wonder if that would still be worth going back and playing. 
Well, if you were to, there's a whole bunch of uh, community patches out there that make it... I think they do things like restore content that was originally planned but never quite completed and they make it run on modern PCs a little better and fix a lot of the bugs. What was like what so, was specially what was special about the I know that series was kind of interesting because it was like a vampire RPG basically, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's based on the um Vampire the Masquerade. I think it's a like a, a tabletop game. Say tabletop a role playing game in the style of Dungeons and Dragons, I believe. Right? And yeah. part of the, the, the appeal of the PC game was that I think it tried very hard to model a lot of the the the, the, the a lot of the role playing game in the in the in the PC game. So you had all of your different types of vampires that you could go. So if you wanted to go what different types of vampires are there? Well, they had like what... Regal and they had like... Yeah, so you can go from like you've got your posh vampires all the way down to your like Nosferatu so a really sort of scary monster looking vampires that yeah. and that if you play those what if you play as one of those, you know, you're not you're not pretty and people will look at you and go, Oh a vampire So you really have to sort of stay play the game in stealth mode all the time and that would make it a completely different game from if you're playing as you know posh um sort of smartly dressed dapper vampire yeah like kind of like how you know the vampires that that blade ends up yeah having to fight you know how they're not like the scaby looking ones yeah yeah totally so if you go one of those ones then you can just walk the streets fine no one bothers you unless you start yeah. like trying to fight people but See, Vampire, though, that, that game, like, I know it got some, un- didn't get all the love that it could have, but I feel like that was that was a very good game. That actually has a really good story. Um, it's underrated. Definitely an yeah. underrated game. I've not sure. played it myself, but I've heard a lot of good things about it, for sure. And, and apparently I feel a lot like, of people did. Yeah. Like, it sold over a million, which yeah, for a game me, with its budget and all that is maybe quite a, it's quite a lot. Well, one of the things that, that stood out to me about the development of that was that they were they sought out to make it a complete game. Mm. You know, they, they they weren't going to add DLC. They were going to give you a game because my thing is that if you can make another game of it, hold on, hold out for a sequel. You know, or put it in the game that you were making. Don't don't break up the game just so you can monetize. And it, it it leaves a lot to be desired, and again, it goes back to that whole thing of kind of takes away from the whole art form mm. of the storytelling. And I feel like that's something that matters with with film too. Like you see, you could go the you could go the route of do the blockbuster, you know. And I know I keep on kind of alluding to films, but I feel like it's a good tie-in, you know, with overhype and just the way that the market is kind of gone. With film as well as movies, or as film as well as games. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's like like I'm saying though. There's there's some directors like I don't know if you're familiar with David Lynch. Um, oh yeah. He, he kind of tends to say fuck you to the what everybody else is doing, and will fight for his art. Meaning, it doesn't matter if it doesn't do well. 
Yeah. He's niched himself in such a way, though, that people love his work. Um, they love what it is and what it what it expresses, and he can go fully. You know, I, I feel like I feel like some some uh, I feel like it's almost like they've become afraid to make take risks mm-hmm. for the things that they're doing, and I feel like. When you take risks with a game, sometimes it has some really awesome results. I mean, there's some cult classic games that, you know, they really didn't, some of them really didn't do well in release, but um, over time have kind of gone down as sort of these um, successes in a way. Yeah, yeah, underappreciated classics. Yeah, like there's plenty of them. I mean... um, I feel like a lot of the, um, in some cases, some of the Dreamcast titles um, were kind of under underappreciated. I'm um, trying to think of a, of a Dreamcast game that was any good. <laughs> well, there, I mean, there were <laughs> me. Like, no, uh, let's see. I, I'm taking it. I'm poking fun at Dreamcast. I actually still have my Dreamcast with a big stack of games in the cupboard. So and I do, uh, I absolutely loved it. But well, yeah, I mean, like I mean. like stuff like you know, Fantasy Star Online, for example, was iconic um, for that console. Um, maybe it wasn't underappreciated. I don't think it was, but I'm just making the point that maybe not. Maybe that's not the best console to use as an example. But um, there's underappreciated titles on the GameCube. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Eternal Darkness being one of them. Um, which I think is a great game, but you know, it's besides the point. I'm just, mm. I'm just, I guess, I, I guess we're kind of digressing here a little, but I'm, I'm kind of trying to. I guess my biggest, I guess the biggest summary here is the fact that I feel like studios are afraid of new IPs, and it's just more of the same stuff. And I feel like there's, you know, thank God for there being um, indie developers because if there weren't. I feel like I feel like we wouldn't have what we had in terms of game selection because I feel like maybe some of these studios don't do as well, but where they don't do as well, they still bring that creative spark of storytelling to the games, and I feel like that's that's very important for you know for gaming in general. I feel like, uh, but I feel like I, I wish some of the other studios would take. Bigger risks, and yeah, you know, yeah. not just do a bunch of remakes. You know, just sequel out everything they possibly can until it just becomes. You know, I mean, it's like, uh, you know, he said a comment about COD. You know, the annual COD release. I mean, it's kind of getting just to me that community is not. Uh, it. It doesn't have the same sort of appeal yeah. as, it, as it once did. No, I know, I know. It's like <laughs> I, I mean, no doubt there's there's probably millions of people out there who play COD regularly and do enjoy it, but it's 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 certainly uh, peaked already. You know, yeah, it's, it's, it's not I, quite the the the, cur- the cultural touchstone that it once was. No, certainly not. Um, I feel as though they they've moved direction that I just um, that I just don't I don't really care for I don't really feel like my money 
should be going anymore to that, to be completely honest with you. Um, yeah. Was there anything else about E3 specifically? Like, I mean, I know we've kind of kind of gone back and forth. Well, let's see. He asked some questions. Okay. Well, here we go. Here's more to talk about. So what about something like Doom? They rebuilt Doom into something both fun and reminiscent of the classic games, but the, this new one, it looks like more of the same thoughts. Um, it does look a little bit like more of the same, but I feel like I'm personally very excited for it because I feel like it's it's different maps, um, some different weapons. I feel like uh, maybe there'll be some surprises that they went. I mean, but then there's a question: Do they really need to do something different? I mean, what are your thoughts on on the on Doom, like where it stands? You know, do you feel like it's I feel like he hit it, nail, nailed the, put the nail on the head when it comes to it's fun and reminiscent of the classic. I feel like it's got those sort of elements and some new elements. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like that, the, 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 the last Doom game was an absolute standout game of 2016. I don't know if I would say it was my favourite game that year, but yeah. it was certainly like maybe top top three, absolutely. Absolutely. No, the multiplayer, that was... Uh... That game had multiplayer? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no, that, I know it had multiplayer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but you know... But it was, it was purely it. for the single player, yeah. But, I played it, but it was just not... It just didn't have the same. Yeah, like, with with, the, with that Doom, there was such a, 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 a rhythm to it, a sort of... It was such a, a sort of kinetic thing you know you're you're fighting the guys you shoot them and then you give go for the the the, the up close kill to get was it health right right, health right. You get like this it becomes almost like, it's weird because there are some yeah. shooters that have like a rhythm based pattern to them that you start to pick up on because when you first start playing doom you try to play it like you would any fps but then you quickly forget the fact that it's a fast pace like you have yeah. to they made it fast-paced. Like you have to be ready to gun and destroy, and use every every single gun in your arsenal to figure out. And and you even have to almost be tactical about mm -hmm. how you're going to go about it. Because you would learn that even with like some of the, um, you know how there was like the test rooms where it would be like you would have to kill like a certain amount of enemies, like and do like a chain combo to get it to go to a certain level. Like, it would be like, hey, get 15, uh, you know, kill 15 of these things within this time limit and get the rune. So yeah, get... yeah. Like, I thought those were really cool, but they challenged you, and I felt like what it what it did to kind of bring excitement back into the game was mm. the fact that you just had to go on this pure, just, like, carnage kill fest. Like, it just became this, and it, it, it but it embodied everything that Doom was about, though with yeah. carnage and just like that's just what doom is all about you know <laughs> and just uh taking it as far as they can with the brutal kill styles and stuff i felt like it had this uh i don't know it had a pretty cool system i like how it would mm -hmm. tell you and mm -hmm. highlight the enemy when you can hit them and like destroy yeah. them with like one punch i thought it had like a really good really good way of building combos that was what i really liked about it yeah, and you would do you would go through the you know you'd be dumping your ammo into the enemies and then you do the brutal sort of 
up close melee kills to get health back and then you use your guns more and but then when you run out of ammo you switch to your chainsaw because that would be ready <laughs> yeah. and then you get all your ammo back from the chainsaw kills and this new doom with the shoulder cannon it has from what i've read it ties in there's a there's an armor um, oh, wow. mechanic to it now so rather than so the shoulder cannon fills a similar fulfills a similar purpose to the chainsaw except rather than giving you ammo mm-hmm. it gives you um armor pickups as well so you're you're juggling now th- um sort of three different types of uh, resource ammo health and armor and i'm interested to see how the, the the rhythm of the previous game of like just going through your you know going from ammo to health to and backwards and forwards again sort of yeah it's sort of redone with this third element to it i'm yeah yeah really excited <laughs> really looking forward to it yeah i actually um i actually pre-ordered the edition of the thing like it's one of the few things that i will pre-order it's like two hundred dollars but i do not care I oh my that, goodness i wanted that helmet i wanted that helmet there's very I've... few games that i will do that for um, the last one that I did it for was actually Wolfenstein, which I know some people would be like, eh, I don't like that series as much. Uh, but I really do like that series. I think they did, they kind of brought a new life into that. Uh, yeah, yeah. They were, I wasn't a big fan of uh, hey, the first hey, Wolfenstein. Hey, give me a break on that collector's edition. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't a big fan of the collector's edition. Of, of, not the collector's edition, what am I talking about? I wasn't a big fan of the original, of the first Wolfenstein game on PS4. Although, when I when I got my PS4, yeah. it was the game that I got bundled in with it. It was <laughs> that that was we sort of my partner and I were like, well, what game we're going to get with our PS4? And then we saw that, that our local um, sort of big chain retail video games yeah. outlet was doing a, a Wolfenstein bundle where nobody else was. So we're like, right, that's the one because she wanted to play that. Uh, but Wolfenstein two really enjoyed it. Played through yeah, it on a, uh, the, yeah. the the story was just absolutely ridiculous. Oh, pure bonkers! But yeah, I mean the the head being chopped off. Oh, oh, spoilers! I mean it's a couple of years old now, so maybe it's not such a big deal. But yeah, I mean <laughs> that was the only reason why I said that. I mean, if you've not played Wolfenstein Two and you can find it cheap and you like shooters with interesting stories, then. It's oh goodness! It's it's well worth a playthrough. Yeah, Even I, mean, you I just... just like the shooting of like you know. I mean, let's face it, we all can get some sort of enjoyment out of killing Nazis. <laughs> I, I think maybe that I think that's maybe something I said on the first episode of this podcast with just like Wolfenstein, <laughs> Wolfenstein Two, kill a whole <laughs> bunch of Nazis, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, the... I mean, <laughs> I, I, so so now I'm being expects me to wear a helmet for two weeks. All right, well, hey, it's going to smell in there, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to wear that thing. I don't, I am going to wear that. I will wear that on stream, gladly. And, uh, hey, you know, I don't know. There's very... There are, like, seriously, there are so many games that come out that I don't ever get the collector's edition. It's a very rare, rare thing for me. Not even uh, Halo. Not even as much as I like that. I'm not going to go out and... I did it for Sonic as well, but that was also sixty bucks, and it kind of came with this cool statue of Sonic on a Sega, you know, for Sonic Mania, which that's cool. I don't, I, I'm not upset about that. 
Yeah, I mean, if it's if it's sixty dollars for a special edition, then that's that's maybe not that big a deal because that's the price of a of a normal <laughs> of a normal game, of a big game. Yeah. But two hundred dollars, I don't think I, I I wouldn't I couldn't spend that, but um, I I couldn't blame any I couldn't sort of I wouldn't judge anyone for spending that on something. No, not a human. We already talked about that a uh, humanoid. Um, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> um, sort mm. of abomination um, <laughs> that we saw in the movie trailer. Um, but <laughs> anyways, I feel like we're kind of, we. this is going to be one of the longer episodes because we kind of rambled on a little bit. Oh yeah, um, yeah, we totally did. Um, it's nearly it's nearly 11pm here, so I'd better, better yeah, yeah. bring this episode to a close. Yeah, well, I want to thank everybody for watching. Appreciate coming to my project. I probably am going to switch over to my stream pretty soon. And I will go to bed. It lasted five <laughs> hours. I mean, I guess we could we could do a long show like that. I mean, I would not be opposed to doing a long ass. Time. We haven't really haven't really had the opportunity yet. Yeah, if we were going to do a longer show, we might need to start a little bit earlier, or yeah, because, do, it, I mean, do it at the weekend. I, yeah, because I'd always love, uh, I always wanted to do radio shows, like that was something that I always thought would be awesome, and that was, I always thought that those were fun, you know, uh, mm. but obviously you have to have the content to do it, too, which, I mean, we, we could we could make that happen, it would just be a lot more involvement, but anyways, guys, I want to thank you for stopping by Project, I definitely want to thank it is a lot of work. Podcasting is a lot of work, and we're not even nearly, uh, we're still figuring it out. <laughs> we're still figuring it out. It's but, a never-ending process. <laughs> but anyways, guys, this is uh, this has been Wheel Life Problems, and uh, as always, um, you can follow me at The Wheelchair Gamer, and that's gamer spelled with three instead of an E. Um, and then you can follow James Kyle at James Cott. Um, so hopefully, hopefully next week we will have everybody ready. Ricky will have his stuff fixed, hopefully, and Brandon will hopefully be feeling better and not sounding like he, uh, you know, is, uh, in a fan or something. Mm. So anyways, guys, as always, keep it wheel, and we will see you next time.